Welcome back to our series we've been doing uh, called Faces of Hope. And each week, uh, we've been looking at a different story from the Gospels of how people who were overwhelmed by life met Jesus. And Jesus was able to give them something they desperately needed, hope. And and I know that's something that many of us need too. And I want to continue in that series today. And and I want to talk about... um, this ability that Jesus has to truly set us free. Today, the kind of, kind of hope I'm going to talk about is called chain-breaking hope. Now, how many of you, this is just us, it's a Sunday morning, it's a great place, church is a great place to confess. When we think about chains that we wear or demons that we face, for some of us it's fear, for some of us it's anxiety, uh, for some of us it's, uh, it's habits that we can't seem to break, for some of us it's attitudes that we can't seem to shake, uh, for some of us it's addictions that we, we, we struggle to get beyond whatever those addictions are. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that there are, in your life, there are sometimes chains that you deal with that you just can't seem to shake off. How many, how many of you honest enough to say, yep, that's me, that's me. And for all of you liars who didn't raise your hand, you're going you're gonna to be in on this too. Yeah. What I've discovered is that we all face demons. It's just a matter of what your demons are. Um, I'm going to show you a video. Some of you may have seen this video. Uh, it's kind of went viral uh, a week or so ago, uh, but I thought it was I thought it was really cool. It's a fun video, but it's got some interesting stuff to it. But just watch this, and uh, you'll enjoy it. Do it. Well, like Jeepa. There you go. Well, like Do it, girl. Do it. <laughs> How many of you have seen that video before? How many of you saw that? I, I saw that. I just, I cracked up laughing because like, I thought, isn't, isn't it so funny? You know, kids like to mimic. And here then, I thought, you know, my kids would be like that. My kids would be walking all bow-legged, you know, and kind of, you know, kind of stuff. Um, but, but as I thought about that video, you know, it hit me. That there's, there's a deeper message inside of that. And that is the fact that, you know, when we talk about chains and we talk about kind of the demons that we face or the issues that we wrestle, can we just be honest? Sometimes those issues and struggles that we have have been in our families for generations. Um, you know, when you look at family systems, here's what you discover. You discover that when there's a family that has anger issues, that usually or often those anger issues have been in that family for generations. Uh, If there are attitudinal issues that we have, uh, whether it's being, uh, you know, cynical or critical or negative, uh, oftentimes that's because that was kind of spoken into us by families who had those same kinds of attitudes. For those of us who, who struggle with addictions, you know, whether it's alcohol or substance abuse, whether it's pornography or gambling, you know, what we discover is that those, uh, those things have often been in our families for generations. And here, look at me, folks, but here's the deal. I believe our God is strong enough to break the chains of those things and that it can stop in this generation. Amen. 
And, and when we talk today about this chain-breaking hope that God can give, it's not just about setting ourselves free. It, it is literally about us stopping, for some of us, these generational curses that have been going on for years and years and years. And, and let me not bury the lead. Let me give you the end of the message right up front. Here is my belief. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only one who can break those chains, who can break those addictions, who can help you overcome those issues. Jesus Christ is the only one that can set us free. Amen. Amen. Now, that's the end of the message. I can just pray and you guys can go home. You're all ready to do that anyway. But I'm not going to let you off that easy. You know, you're, you're paying good money to be punished for 30 minutes. So, you know, let's, let's go ahead and do this. I want to look at a story that is a fascinating story, but a great model for us of the way that Jesus really can overcome the addictions and the struggles and the habits in our life. You ready? Let's look at, at a story from Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. This is from the New International Version. It says, And they went, over, went across the lake to the, to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man had lived in the tombs so that no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been chained hand and foot, uh, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the, out of the area. There was a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and they went down into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and they reported this in the town and on the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by this legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told the people what had happened, uh, uh, happened to the demon-possessed man. And they told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave that region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he has had on you. And so the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis or the 10 cities in that region how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Now, we don't, we don't know exactly what all this man was dealing with. Um, uh, it, interesting, uh, in, when you study the history uh, of this area, this was, not, uh, this was a, a, a Gentile area. This was not a Jewish region. This was a Gentile area. And in that particular area, one of the things we know uh, in, from, in historically is that this was an area that uh, at one time served the god Moloch. And a part of worship in, with Moloch was often offering children as sacrifices to their god. Now, stay with me on this. 
One of the things when you begin to go back and you realize that um, these were often people who living in that area whose parents had maybe put them on an altar, maybe had cut them, bled them, took off a limb. Uh, Some of them saw siblings perhaps that were offered as a sacrifice. So you can just begin to imagine the mental state of being that was upon these people. And when you look at this man, again, we don't know what kind of demons he's had. Did he have demons that were really from the devil and demons of hell? Perhaps. But perhaps he also suffered suffered from uh, a mental disease from having been exposed to so much severe abuse that he developed DID or or this, what some of us would call a multiple personality disorder where he was uh, out of his mind, overcome, where his, his, his mind was just frazzled from all that he had seen and experienced. It, it doesn't matter what kind of demons he had. Here's the point of the story. Jesus is stronger still. Um, he's stronger still. Whether those were actual demons from hell that the devil had sent, or whether they were the demons of, uh, of someone who had just been exposed to and perhaps himself been horribly, horribly abused, it doesn't matter what kind of demons we got. Here's the deal. Jesus is Lord over all. Now, as we open this story, what, what I want to do today is I want to go back to this story, and I want to pull out a few things that jumped out to me this week that I really hope will help you as you face whatever demons you wrestle with, whatever chains you're trying to break, or, or whatever, perhaps for some of us, for people that you are walking with. Here's what I know. Some of us have people we love dearly who are bound by things we wish they could get past, but they can't seem to. And today, if you're not taking good notes for you, take good notes for them, all right? Can I pull out a few few things, and and hopefully these will be a challenge to you as well as give you some handles of hope. Here we go. How do we, let's let's unpack this story together. Here's the first thought I want to give you. You'll never be fully alive until you stop making your home among the dead, Let me say that again. You'll never be fully alive until you stop making your home among the dead. Where was this man living? Not a trick question. It was in the scripture. In the tombs. He he was out there where dead people were. Now, there may have been other people who were crazy or had their own demons that they were, they may have, there may have been other people living there uh, in that area, but we know that they were living among the tombs. And of course, one of the beliefs that many people had then, some people have now, is that cemeteries and tomb places are places where there are evil spirits about. And so again, people would be afraid to go there. He was out there all by himself or he was surrounded by, by other people who were, who were dealing with stuff, and it hit me. No, no wonder he couldn't find help and healing. You know, he 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 was out there among dead people, and, and it, then it, it just hit me. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? In fact, there are two great lies. I, 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 this jumped out at me. There are two great lies that that the enemy gives us that we often buy into. Are you ready? Here's the first one, and that is that you can beat your demons all by yourself. That's the first one. That you can beat your demons all by yourself. This man was out there. He was isolated. And and it hit me. You know what? So many of us, when we're dealing with stuff, when we're dealing with fear, anxiety, worry, when we're dealing with our our own uh, addictions, instead of leaning into people who can help us, encourage us, guide us, we often withdraw and we get out there all alone. And we, we say this again and again and again because it is the principle by which God made us. Are you ready? It's not good for man to be 
alone. And if you don't walk out of here with anything else today, wrap your mind around that. It's not good for you to be alone. God gave us community to help us, to encourage us, and to help us find healing in our life. In fact, I I love the passage of Scripture in, in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. The teacher writes, read it with me. Two people are better off than one, for they find help, they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but the someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Let me give you a great example. As Pastor, Pastor Janet was telling me this week, she had read my notes, she came in my office, she goes, oh, I got a great story for you. This is perfect for your message. She got this week I was sitting, she said I was sitting on my porch um, uh, Chuck and I have uh, some guys repair, replacing the windows in our house. And uh, she said, I was sitting on the porch. I've got my new little puppy, Ryder, on my lap. And it's kind of chilly out, so I've got a little sweater on him. And she said, we're sitting there, and my parents call. And she goes, so I'm on my phone, and I'm talking to, to my mom. And, uh, and it starts getting noisier um, at the house. And she goes, so I, I pick up Ryder, and I walk out into the yard, and I'm, and I'm talking on the phone. And um, she said, I, I, I set Ryder down, and she said, I, I finished my conversation. She goes, I, I looked down, and Ryder has slipped out of his sweater. It was, said it was a little big for him, and he had slipped out of it. So Janet said, I, I got down and tried to help get that sweater back on him. And she said, when I got down, all of a sudden I realized I'm in trouble. Janet has had major back surgery here just a couple of months ago. And she said, all of a sudden I realized I got down I can't get back up. And I said to her, welcome to my world. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, getting down is no deal for me. You know, <coughs> it's getting up that's a challenge. And she said, I'm, I'm looking around. She said, and the guys who are working on my house, she goes, they're all Spanish speaking. She goes, there was only one of them that I knew that spoke English. And she said, I'm there. And she goes, I start yelling to the guy who's working on my window. Hey, hey, you know, I need help. I need help. I can't get up. And she said, the guy turns around and he looks at her and, and she's waving for him. And he, he thought she wanted her tea that she had left on the porch. So he's bringing her tea out to her. She goes, no, 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 no. I don't want I need up. I need up. I need up. You know, so, and he finally got it and he was able to help her, you know, stand to her feet. And she said, you know, he goes, I didn't know how long I was going to be there before somebody really understood what I needed. And I thought to myself, yeah, but you could have been there all by yourself. I mean, how long would, could you have been on your knees in that yard if you had been there all alone? Now look at me, hear my heart. For some of us, that's what we do. When we're dealing with the shame, when we're dealing with the fear, when we're dealing with our doubts, sometimes instead of, again, leaning into people, we isolate ourselves. And when you get all alone, here's what I promise you, that's when the enemy does his best work on you. That's when he discourages you. That's when he breathes depression into you. That's when he makes you think that no one cares, no one loves you, no one can help you. And he's lying, of course, but you're all alone. We were created to be around people. Amen? Now, stay with me, but not just people, the right kind of people. Now, that was the second lie that that I thought of when I was reading this. The first lie is that you can beat the demons all by yourself, but the second lie is this, that is that you can beat your demons while surrounding yourself with other demoniacs. (laughs) Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Now, how many of you, in trying to deal with your own chains, have surrounded yourself with a few demoniacs from time to time? Come on, anybody admit that? Yeah, this is, and this is one of the common themes for those of us who have dealt with addiction in our life. You know, one of the common struggles that we have is sometimes we'll go to, you know, we'll go to detox and we'll get clean, you know, and we'll go through recovery. But then sometimes the moment we get out, we go, we go right back to the same places we used to go and right back around the same people who we used to be around. And they're still dealing with their demons. And if they're dealing with their demons and we're getting around them, guess what? Before long, we're going right back down that same road. If you want to live differently, you have to do something different. Amen? You can't do it by yourself, and you can't do it surrounding yourself with the same, peop- the same kind of people who struggle with what you struggle. You'll go right down that same path. Uh, scripture's clear. I could give you a hundred of them, but let me just give you two from 1 Corinthians 15. Read it out loud, church. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 18, 24, read it with me. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. And I promise you, we could give testimonies right here to that effect. Look at me, just hear my heart. If you want to be fully alive, if you want to fully break the chains that are binding you, if you want to fully rid yourself of the demons you're dealing with, you you, you got to stop living among the dead and can become around people who are truly alive. Second thought I want to give you. This is for those of you who are walking with people who are bound by things, and you think it's your job to set them free. You ready? You can't control people who don't want to let go of their demons. You can't control people who don't want to let go of their demons. When I was reading the story this week, this was one of the things that hit me, and I never, I'd never seen this in the passage before. It just jumped out at me at the, off the page, and it was this. The, the fact of the matter, when, when, these people, when these people were coming to this guy, it says there are often people, probably friends and family, who were trying to help him, and they came, and they tried to, they tried to bind him. They tried to shackle him in the legs, and they tried to shackle him, and he, and he just kept breaking up. He knew what they discovered. They couldn't control him, and all of a sudden, it hit me. Isn't that what we do with people that we really care about who are struggling with stuff? We try to control them. We want to fix them. You got to stop this. And so we, we, we go overboard. We try to do this and we try to do that. And, and we, try to, we try to just, you know, move into their life and, and take over. And what we have to come to is ye can't. This man didn't get well until Jesus showed up on the scene. Are you ready? You're not Jesus. Amen? Come on, this is group therapy today. Are you... Y'all, y'all repeat after me. There is a God, and I am not him. Now, I know this is new news for some of you, but it's true. You know, it's true. There is a God. And, and, and you have to set yourself free because, again, like you, you, you love these people in your life, and you want so bad for them to be different, but you cannot do this for them. The moment you want their sobriety more than they want their sobriety, you're in over your head. There's a good name for you. I am one. We call them codependence. Codependence is when somebody else has the problem, but you got the headache. Some of you will get this later. 
they've got all the struggles going on, but you're the one, you're the one taking the antacid for it. Why? Because you're working harder at fixing them than they are. And I'm going to tell you, that's been one of the issues of my life that I've had to deal with. I, I, I dealt with it in my family. I got into ministry, and I thought it was my job to fix people. And I made a startling discovery. I can't. As much as I love you, I can't fix you. The best I can do is help you understand what's going on and introduce you to someone who can. Amen? Now, on your outline, I gave you a few thoughts. This will help you. You can love them, but you can't take responsibility for them. You can love them, but you can't take responsibility for them. Now, look at me. If you're, in, if you're in close relationship to an addict, they will want you to take responsibility for them. And often, often, those of us who are struggling with addiction will blame the people around us for the mess that we're in. You know what? If, if you just wouldn't say anything, I wouldn't get mad. If you didn't nag, I wouldn't get mad. If you weren't like this, I wouldn't drink. If, if you weren't like that, I wouldn't go off and gamble. I, I would look, look at me. No, 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 no. You are responsible for your own behavior. You are responsible for your own choices. It is no one else's uh, job. It is no one else's responsibility. You make the choice. It's yours. Amen? And we've got to understand that for the people around us. We can love them. We just can't take responsibility for them. It's not on us. You can encourage them, but you can't enable them. You can encourage them, but you can't enable them. Now look at me. I love you, but some of us are so good at this. I know you mean well. But do you understand when you spare people the consequences of their actions, you're not helping them. You're crippling them. When we bail people out again and again and again, we're, we're, not, we're not saving them. We're just postponing the, their fall. I, I'll never forget one, one time I was home. I come from a, a long line of, of addictions and stuff. One time I was home in Ohio, and I went in my mom's house, and my mom was sitting at the table, and she was really tired, and I said, you look worn out, and she goes, well, I am, and I said, well, why are you so tired? She goes, well, I had to go down to the jail at three o'clock this morning to, to, to bail my grandson out, my nephew, I had to go down to the jail to bail your nephew out, and I said, why? I said, well, he got pulled over, DUI, you know, he was drunk behind the wheel, and he got, he got pulled over, so I had to go down and bail him out. I said, you had to go down and bail him out. Somebody walked in your house, put a gun to your head, and said, get out of bed and go down to the jail and put money up for this kid, or I'm going to shoot you. And she said, well, no. She said, but I couldn't leave him in jail. And I said, why not? Why not? He was behind a wheel, intoxicated. He could have easily ran over a five-year-old kid or, or, or ran into a, a family getting, driving home late at night. He, he could have killed anyone, but he, you know, he's got to take responsibility. Why, why should he take responsibility for himself if you're going to bail him out every time he gets in trouble? Does this make sense to you? Now, I know we mean well, and I've done this. I'm confessing. I did this. God had to help me understand, Steve, you're not being compassionate. You're not being kind. You're being codependent. You want to be the Savior, and you're not. There is a Savior, but his name is not Steve. Amen? You can pray for them, but you can't change them. 
You don't give up on them. You just give them over to God. I, I come from um, generations of alcoholism, substance abuse. And it goes back as far as I know. My grandfather used to make moonshine and run it out of Tennessee. And so this stuff was fairly rampant in my family. My, in, in my family, I have a, uh, my mother and both of my sisters were addicted to alcohol and, and uh, substance. My mom to prescription drugs and my sisters to other things. And I had, I had a couple of very hard conversations as, as God had to help me stop trying to be the Savior and, and to confront. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, I was sitting at a Starbucks in Phoenix with my older sister. And she had OD'd a number of times and been in and out of hospitals, in and out of relationships, in and out of all kinds of stuff. And, and I come to a place where I realized I was, I was helping her stay that way. And I sat at a Starbucks with my sister and I basically had the same conversation with her that I had with my mother. And it went like this. I said, I love you, but you're going to die. And I can't stop you. I am willing to do almost anything to help you get help. But I can't do that until you really want but you need to know, as much as I love you, as much as I care about you, I will never give you another dime as long as I live. Because every time I give you money, you're either using it on drugs or you're using it for some bill so that you can use your own money for drugs. Either way, I'm helping you stay an addict. And I can't do that anymore. My mom was 65 years old when she died, when the drugs finally took her. My older sister was 63 years old when the drug addiction took her life. And my younger sister was 50 years old when the alcoholism and the substance abuse took her life. I loved them. I would have done anything to help them. But here's what, here's what I had to come to, folks. Until someone really wants help, and opens themselves to God. We can. Does that make sense? A third part of the scripture um, that I caught was the enemy's goal isn't just to enslave us or slave you. It's, it's to destroy you. The enemy's goal is not just to enslave you. It's to destroy you. You know, again, when I, was, when I was reading the story, it hit me. Did you notice in the, in the scriptures that these demons that had possessed this guy, whatever, whatever that was all about, when they went into the pigs, did you notice what happened to the pigs? They ran off the cliff and down into the water and they drowned. They were destroyed. And all of a sudden it hit me. 
you know, these were the things that were at work in this man. I, I, wonder, I, I wondered if that wasn't what was going on for him. You know, you, again, you read in the scripture that he was among the tombs. He was, he was cutting himself. He was inflicting pain on himself. He was self-destructing. And it hit me. I wonder, I wonder in this man's demonic state that he was in and all the stuff that he was going through, I wondered how many times he walked over to that same cliff himself wondering if he ought to just jump. Wondering if he ought to just give in and, and, and do it all. Because that's the enemy goal. Look at me. I love you. The enemy doesn't want to just uh, tease you. He, he doesn't want to just uh, play with you. He doesn't want to just slave you. He wants to destroy you. Amen? He does. Throw that picture up on the screen. Anybody know what that flower is? That's an opium poppy. And I saw this picture last week. I thought, you know, is, isn't that how the enemy is? He gives you this beautiful thing. Just, you know, take this, do this. Oh, this will feel good. This will be the right path. This will be the way to go. You'll feel so good about yourself. Oh, you, you know, all of this stuff. And this little beautiful flower has led to the death of how many people through the centuries because of the addiction that it gives People who, who thought, this is just a way of escaping. This is just a way of medicating my pain. No, 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 no. It's a way for the enemy to destroy you. Um, those of you who know me know I, 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 love, I love basketball. And uh, we're in the middle of March Madness. And March Madness is crazy this year. Uh, even my Ohio State Buckeyes got knocked out. Or, I mean, it's just it's nuts, nuts this year. I always thought about it this week when I was thinking about my message and I was thinking about this, um, the whole idea of March Madness. I, I flashed back to 1986, long before many of you were born. There was a, a great basketball player played for the University of Maryland. His name was Len Bias. Len was a first-team All-American. He was uh, just uh, an incredible athlete. But Len, um, Len got drafted by the Boston Celtics. And he was to, going to be the new heir apparent to Larry Bird. You know, he was going to be the one to take the mantle and carry this team to greatness. Um, two days after he got drafted by the Boston Celtics, uh, Lynn and a couple of his friends thought they would just kind of celebrate that a little bit. And so they went back to the dorm there at the University of Maryland and they hooked up with a guy who sold them so, some cocaine. And Lynn and his friends uh, shot up that cocaine there on the floor in that dormitory in Maryland, and something went wrong, something went bad, and Lynn went into convulsions and died right there on the dormitory floor. Never played one day of pro basketball. You see, Lynn, Lynn thought when he, he and his buddies got together, they just thought they were going to have a little celebration. They were just going to have a little party. People do it all the time. But here's what you need to know. But the enemy's goal is always to take these things and destroy us. That's what Jesus said on, on your outline. You, you see the passage of Scripture. Read it out loud with me. He said, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Can I give you one more thought? Victory, as funny as it sounds, actually begins with surrender. Victory 
actually begins with surrender. You know where the freedom for this man began? It was way back at the beginning of the story. It said when Jesus arrived at this place, the man saw him coming, and he went running to him, and he threw himself down on his knees, threw himself down in front of Jesus. And it was that act of humility, it was that act of surrender that allowed Jesus to do this incredible work in his heart and his life. And I love the story because when you get to the end, it says, and these people who knew the man, they came, and when they saw him, he was so different. You know, he was, he was dressed. He was washed. He, he was in his right mind. He could have a conversation, and they walk up, and you can just picture the people high-fiving him. Joe, it's so good to see you. Joe, you look so good. Yeah, Joe, you did it. You beat this. You beat this. You beat this. Look at me. Joe didn't beat anything. The man never overcame his demons. He surrendered to Jesus who overcame his demons. And that's where it starts. I'm not here today to tell you you need to suck it up and have a little more willpower. I'm not telling you you need to really implement the, you know, the, the power of positive thinking. I'm telling you today what you and I need We need to humble our hearts before a Christ who is full of grace and full of power and truth. And he is the one who can break the chains. He is the one who can get us out of the tombs. He is the one who can set us free. I love what Jesus said. John chapter 8, verse 36. Read it with me. So if the Son sets you free, You will be free indeed. So here's my question to you. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free from the fear? Do you want to be free from the anxiety? Do you want to be free from the worry? Do you want to be free from those attitudes that have held you hostage? That criticism, that cynicism, that negativity... Do you want to be free of of the anger that you're addicted to? Do you want to be free of the alcohol uh, habit that you can't seem to break, of of the substance habit that you can't seem to break? Don't you want to be free from the pornography that keeps calling to you night after night? Don't you you want to be free from the gambling addiction that has taken over your life? Don't, Don't you want to be free? You can be. It starts with just an act of surrender. So so here's what I want to do. For those of you who are courageous enough to admit that you have chains and that you battle demons, here's what I'm going to do. In just a moment, I want to pray over you. And I want to ask Jesus just to fall upon this this place and to join for those of us who are watching online to just meet us here today. And I'm going to ask him to break the chains, whatever chains they are. I'm going to ask him to break those chains and to help us to step into freedom. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who you want that for yourself, wherever you are, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to ask you to take that step of faith and be bold enough to say, I don't want to wear these chains anymore. 
There are some of you, I know that you're walking with people. And you're sitting here today and you're going, man, I really wish they were here. And maybe God is using you to help them. And there may be some of you today that when I ask for people to stand, there may be some of you who will say, you know what, I'm walking with some people and they really need this. And I I need to know my part. I I don't want to enable them. I do want to help them. I know I can't fix them, but I do want God to use me in whatever ways that I can be there for them. And when I ask you to stand, you may want to stand and say, God, I want to to stand in the gap for them. I want to be that person. Are you ready to take a step of faith? Are you ready to humble your heart before God? Right now, wherever you are, if you want me to pray over you, just stand to your feet right where you're at. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. Wherever you are, just stand to your feet. Those of you watching online, if you're at home, same thing. If you're at Abel, stand to your feet. Don't be afraid. You know, we all struggle with demons. We all struggle with chains. We all have things that we wrestle with. And only Jesus can set us free. Are you ready to surrender those to him? Let's pray together. Father God, as we come before you today, we confess that this story of this demoniac, that's our story. Because every single one of us, Lord, wrestle in life with something. Something that binds us, something that takes us captive, something that we can't get beyond. For some of us, it's, it's a substance. For some of us, it's an activity. For some of us, it's an attitude. For some of us, it's the, the fear that we just lean into and can't seem to escape from. But God, you know what those chains are today. And just like when you stepped on shore and you, you saw that man running toward you, you already knew what he was dealing with. And here's what we believe. Lord Jesus, we believe you are King of kings and Lord of lords. We believe you can break every chain. We believe that you can tear down every wall. We believe that you can set us free today. So here, as we stand before you, break the chains, Lord. Help us to walk in the freedom that you promised. Not just today, but help us to do this every day, Lord, because that's how we get it, one day at a time. Just one day at a time. Today, set us free. Father, some of us are standing today because we have some people in our life that we love dearly and and we are so worried about them. They're involved in stuff and we we really don't know how to help them. Some of them, Lord, we confess, we've tried to control them. We've tried to fix them. We've tried to take their problems upon ourselves and do it for them, but we, we can't. So, Lord, here today, we put those people in your hands. We confess to you that you are God and we are not. So wherever they are today, Lord, would you do this? Would you stretch out your hand? Would you lay it upon their shoulder? Would you bring healing to them? Would you spark something in their heart that would cause them to turn towards you? Would would you nudge them with your Holy Spirit so that they could just catch a glimpse of of what they're missing? Would you you just let your Holy Spirit breeze by them today, That something that will give them a renewed sense of hope? Lord, they've looked for answers in all the wrong places today. Would you help those we love look to you? And may they find in you today the freedom that you and you alone can bring. Lord, we love you so very much. We thank you that you meet us right where we are with all of our chains, with all of our demons. And we thank you that you are our King of kings and Lord of lords. You are our liberator. If the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. 
And it's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.